So I need everybody to do me a favor. I want you to close your eyes, okay? Don't worry, don't worry. I want you to close your eyes, and when I say open them, I want you to point where you think north is, okay? All right, close your eyes. All right, you can't look around. I just want you, wherever you think north is, that's what I want you, all right? On the count of three, three, two, one, go. Right, look around, hold your, hold, your, hold your position up, look around, look around, look around. Don't change it, don't change it. All right, so we got, we got a few different directions, okay? North is right there. That's north. All right, yeah, yeah, you guys, some of you are like, okay, you were like, you were like, we're like this. Other you, other you were pointing over here. Some of you were pointing up. I'm not really sure. Like, it's up. It's up. Like, it, when, when we think about that, we don't think like, well, you know, should we, should we take a vote? Like, which direction is north? Like, you know, like, well, maybe north, you know, to them is this way, you know? Like, north to me is this way, or north to me is this way. But, but no, that's not really how it works, right? It's not your opinion, you know? We, 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 we're not going to take a, take a vote on what, you know, direction north is. You know, north is not your point of view. It's north is not majority rule, you know, where the majority said that's where north is. No, north is absolute, right? It's absolute. It's not something that we just, oh, well, I think it's over here. Well, and then somebody's like, no, I think it's over here. And, and they're like, no, I think it's up there. And I don't know why you would think that, but you think that it's up there. And we all just kind of, you know, we, you know, so no, it's, it's absolute. It's, it's what's set. It's what's determined. And that's the way that we adjust our life. That's the way that we set our course is based on what has already been determined what has already been absolute. Well, this is what happens sometimes with us when it comes to our spiritual life. We sort of set the course for what we think is best. We set the course based on what direction that we want to go in. We set the course based on what our opinion is. I mean, we sort of make these shifts in our life and, and culture, you know, sort of does a good job of trying to, you know, pull our, our direction or pull our influences in another way, in another direction. But there are some things when it comes to our spiritual life that are simply just true. They're simply just absolutes. There's rules, there's laws, there's things that are already predetermined and that's the, the better direction to go in when we decide that it's not really what I think is what the direction I should go in. It's really what somebody has already determined, what somebody has already set as the direction that is best for me. It's somebody named God Almighty who determined and set into, into, you know, into, into the course of, of, of our lives and has determined our times and has determined our days and has determined the things that he says or what he says is best for us with the best life that you can possibly have. That There's a God in heaven who loves you that says, I know, I've determined, I have set a life that is best for you. And it doesn't matter what direction you think is best for you. God Almighty in heaven sitting on a throne has said to you, this is what's best for you. And I hope that you align your life. I hope that you set the course of your life in the direction that he wants you to go, not where you want to go always. Does that make sense? And so... Jesus has just spent 
40 days. We're coming to the tail end of, of, of this um, endeavor, you know, this journey of, of looking at, you know, Jesus' appearances and who Jesus spent some time with and what Jesus had to teach and teach to us over this 40-day period. And Luke wrote about it. Luke said, how do we know it's 40 days? Because Luke, you know, interviewed people. Luke was a doctor, you know, who, who just spent, went around, you know, to interviewing different people that were eyewitnesses to the resurrection of Jesus. And, and so Luke documented all of this stuff. We have the... It was called the Gospel of Luke, and Luke also wrote the Book of Acts, which is the really the beginning stages of, of what we now know as the church. And so Luke tells us in Luke 1, 3, he says, here's what Jesus did, or excuse me, I'm sorry, Acts, I'm sorry, I just threw you off, Acts 1, 3, to these he also presented himself alive after his sufferings, or maybe other versions say after his passions, by many convincing proofs. So we, if you were here last week, we talked about how faith is not just blind faith. We don't have blind faith. We have evidence. We have proof. We have assurances. We have convictions. These are, our faith is not determined or based on how we feel or, you know, what, you know, what experience we have. That our faith, Christian faith, is based on evidence. It's based on, according to Luke in Acts, convincing proofs appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. Jesus said, I want to I just assure you that you put your faith, I want to just assure you that you put your trust in the right guy. Not a religious plan, not a religious process, not a, you know, a religious rituals of do's and don'ts. Not, that, that wasn't Jesus' message. Jesus' message wasn't, you know, follow these rules and follow these commands and these demands. And, you know, that wasn't Jesus' message. Jesus' message was just follow me. Just come and follow me. And that's really what he's still asking us to do is just to come and to follow him. And he set the course. And we're just following the direction that he's determined. We just want to follow the direction that he says is best for you. It's what's best for you. Because he's God Almighty, speaks life into you. He's God Almighty that created everything that you see around it. He's God Almighty who has determined your days and put breath in your lungs. He's setting the course, and all we should do is follow him. Right, church? We should follow him. And so this is the last appearance that he gave, made to, uh, to his disciples. And, and we're going to pick it up in, in John chapter 21. And it says this, and after these things, Jesus manifested himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And then it says this, and he manifested himself in, in this way. Verse 3, Simon Peter, um, Simon Peter said, Simon Peter and Thomas, I'm sorry, verse 2, I'm, I'm messing you up. I'm sorry, this is my bad. Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus. We, we looked at, we've, you know, Peter, you know, who was Peter? Peter was this, you know, very ambitious guy. He was kind of like, you know, stick your, you know, foot in your mouth kind of a guy. He's kind of out, outspoken. That's the kind of, you know, personality he was. He was just more of a reactor. We looked at different things and stories of Peter. Uh, Thomas, we looked at Thomas last week. Thomas, who was he? He was known as Doubting Thomas. You know, Thomas was more probably no-nonsense kind of a guy. Uh, Thomas was very practical. Like, Thomas was like, you know, it's like, you know, fool me once you know, my, my bad, my fault, you know, fool me twice, you're bad. So Thomas wasn't going to be too quick, you know, to say that they saw Jesus alive after. So, that, you know, Thomas got that reputation. Nathaniel, Nathaniel was somebody who was more of like a very skeptical person, very skeptical. As a matter of fact, you know, when Andrew, 
uh, said, went to Nathaniel early on in the Gospel of John. He said, hey, I found Jesus, or I found the Christ. I found the, the Messiah. I, I found the Savior. And Nathaniel's like, oh, no, I, are you sure? I, I don't know about, you know, he was real, you know, skeptical, a little suspicious, you know. And, and, uh, and then, you know, he, Nathaniel asked the question, well, where, where did he come from? Where did, where did this Messiah that you found come from? And, and, you know, the answer was, well, he came from Nazareth. And then, and then Nathaniel makes a statement which completely disses Jesus' family. He's like, well, what good comes from Nazareth, you know? Like, what good comes from that place, you know? There's no way that he's the Messiah. So he was a little, you know, Nathaniel, he was a little skeptical. He was a little, you know, suspicious. And then you have what he, what he calls the, and the sons of Zebedee. You know, the sons of Zebedee were, were, was John, who wrote this gospel. John and his brother James, uh, they were known as the sons of Zebedee, but they're also known as the sons of thunder. That was sort of their nickname as brothers, James and John, the sons of thunder, which, which indicates that they were very brash, they were very audacious, and they were very inconsiderate people. As a matter of fact, we know a couple things about James and John. One of the things that we know about them is that they went to Jesus and they're like, hey, Jesus, um, you know, forget about these other guys, but who, which one of us gets to be on your right and on your left when you enter into your kingdom? Like, which one of us gets to be, you know, in the best position? You know, you know either we're going to be in one position or another, but we're going to have the two best positions. And so this was sort of the, you know, how they felt. This, they were very outspoken, very audacious, and the other disciples are going, what, what do you, how do you think? Why do you think you get to be in his best position, his best side? And so these were the kind of guys that were out, you know, and, the, and it says that two others were there with them. We don't really know who those two others were, but I'm sure that they had their issues too, right? And so it says this in verse 3. It says, Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we will also come. With you, and they went out and got into the boat. And so Simon Peter's going, Listen, I don't know what to do with myself, so I'm gonna kind of resort back to what I used to do. I'm gonna kind of go back to you know my old, old ways of life. I'm gonna kind of go back to my old habits. I'm gonna kind of you know pick up you know where I left off, you know, before I started following Jesus around for three plus years. I'm gonna I'm gonna go back and then I'm gonna go do that. Oftentimes, this is what happens to us. Oftentimes we get off course because we have moments in our life, moments in our walk, moments in our journey where we kind of resort back to old ways. We sort of re resort back to old habits. Now I'm sure that over the time that, you know, Peter and Thomas and Nathaniel and James and John and the two other disciples, I'm sure that over the time that they spent following Jesus, they really had life change. They really experienced, you know, different, different life change where they got away from old habits, where they maybe got away from, you know, destructive routines in their life. But Peter decided that he was going to go back to his old life. He was going to go back to his old ways. And he brought these other guys with him, which oftentimes what happens to us when we resort back to bad habits, when we resort back to old routines, when we fall back into sort of what the Bible calls like this fleshly nature about us, we drag other people with us. We bring other people down with us. And so that's what happens to Peter. Peter's like, I'm going back. I'm going fishing. And they went with him. And then it says, and here's oftentimes what happens. And that night they caught nothing. So here's what you know and, and, and I know is that anytime that we go back to our old habits or our old ways or our old, you know, fleshly nature about us, it leaves us empty, doesn't it? It never really is going to satisfy. Maybe you haven't found that out yet, but you will. 
Maybe you'll find out that one day that you're gonna realize that, man, I've been continually going down this path. I've been continually in this journey. I'm going along on this course and it's all that it's done for me, all that it's done for me is left me empty. It's done nothing for me. And I just wanna tell you that it's not gonna do anything for you. Old ways of life, old habits, ways that you used to be, but you, you, know, you tried to you know, follow Jesus in your life over a period of time, but then you sort of resorted back to some of these old ways. It's always gonna leave you with nothing. You're gonna be bankrupt. It's gonna be unfulfilling. You're not ever gonna be satisfied. You're never gonna be satisfied. And that's what happened to them. But then it says in verse four, but, but, I love this because this is always what I say. I love it when, when God butts in. But when the day was now breaking, Jesus stood on the beach, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Verse five. So Jesus said to them, children. This is a little condescending, don't you think? Like, children. Now, I know it looks that way in our English, you know, translated. I know it looks that way, but it really wasn't. It was more or less like, guys. What are you doing? Guys, oh, you're acting like kids, like you're going back to doing old things when you know that that is never gonna satisfy. Come on. What are you doing? Like, I thought we spent some time and you saw some changes and, and now you're kind of resorting back to old ways, children. And he said, look what he says. You do not have any fish, do you? Like, Jesus knows. You, you can kind of do your own thing, but Jesus knows. You don't have any fish, do you? Oh, you're empty, aren't you? Oh, you tried to go back to that old thing, and it hasn't worked out, has it? How is that going for you, he's asking. How is resorting back to old ways, how is that going for you? For maybe for you, he would ask this. He would ask this. So Jesus said to them, children, you do not have any peace, do you? You don't have any peace, do you? Or maybe he'll say, hey, you don't have any joy, do you? Or maybe he'll say, you don't have any contentment, do you? Or maybe he'll say to you, you don't have any stability, do you? Or maybe he'll say, you do not have any fulfillment, do you? Or maybe he'll say to you, you don't have any self-control, do you? And they answered, no. No, uh, we don't, we, we, we tried, we went that direction, we set that course and we went back to the way that we used to be and man, it just left us with nothing. And I've tried, I've tried, I try to find that peace, I try to find that joy, I try to find that contentment, I try to find that self-control, I try to find that fulfillment, but it's never satisfied me ever. I've got nothing. And if you're honest, just like children are honest, if you're honest, you'll say, yeah, I haven't. Yeah, I've tried these, this thing and it hasn't. Yeah, I've tried this process and it hasn't. Yeah, I've tried this way of life and it just hasn't seemed to work because it won't. It won't. And Jesus said to him, and here's how we get back on course. Here's how we get back on track. Look what, look what happens now. And he said to them, cast the net on the right-hand side of the boat, and you will find a catch. So they cast, and then they were not able to haul it in because of the great number of fish. 
Don't you love that? I mean, here Jesus is going, hey guys, you guys, you know how you can have change? You know how you can have, get back on in the right direction? He says, I want you to do this. He says, I want you to apply what, what I say. I want you to apply what I say. Because here's what happens. Applying what he says can change an empty life to a full life. Applying what he says, and that's exactly what he yelled out to them. Hey, fellas. Why don't you try this the right side of the boat? You know how short of a distance that is? You know how little of an adjustment that takes? It was just from one side of the boat to the other side of the boat that they were able to bring in a big haul of fish. That they were able to go from empty nets to now full nets. Do you know what will change for you? You know what will change for you? That you can go from an empty life to a full life is that when you start and I start applying what he says to do. That what will make all the difference in the world, and it may just be a subtle shift from the left side of the boat to the right side of the boat, but that subtle shift of following and applying what he says to do can change your life and change your course for the better. That he wants to take your empty, unfulfilled life and he wants to fill it up. He wants to give you that joy that you're pursuing. He wants to give you that peace that you're looking for. He wants you to give you that contentment that you're longing for. He has that for you, but it's going to require you and require me to start applying what he says, and that will change everything. You'll go from empty to full. Who wants that? Who wants that? I do. Yeah, I hope you do. I hope you do. Here's what happens. Here's where it begins for us, okay? Now, therefore, verse seven, therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. So when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put his outer garment on, for he was stripped for work. We won't get into all that. And threw himself into the sea. He threw himself into the sea. But the other disciples, verse 8, but the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards away, dragging the net full of a fish. So here's what he's saying to you, and this is what Peter did. Peter was off course. He went back to old ways, old habits, old routines. You know what Peter did? Peter decided he heard from John. It's the Lord, it's Jesus, it's him. So Peter did what Peter always did and he reacted. He reacted and Peter, good thing he decided he had the sense to put his garments on, he jumps in. You know what he does? Just like when Jesus asked him to cast their nets on the right side of the boat and they cast their nets on the side that Jesus said to cast, you know what Peter did? Peter cast himself in towards Jesus. Jesus, Peter said, listen, I'm gonna throw myself in that direction. I'm casting myself in that way. You know what Peter later wrote? Here's what Peter later wrote, but we'll get to that in a second. Here's what he's saying to you and to me. He says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. You want to get back on, on course? You want to get set to the absolute 
truth of, of the best place that God has for you, here's what you need to do. You need to throw yourself, you need to throw yourself back towards Jesus. You need to say, Jesus, all that I am, all that I have, I'm casting it on to you. Why? Because he cares for you. Peter wrote that. Peter was probably recalling this time when he cast his net on one side of the boat to the other. And he remembered the time when he threw himself into the water. And Peter wrote this in 1 Peter 5, 7. He said, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. The first step in the process of getting in line with the plan of God is to cast yourself. Cast yourself. You know what it kind of reminded me of? I don't know if anybody has... Some of you have probably seen it. Forrest Gump. Have you ever seen the movie Forrest Gump? You remember when Forrest Gump is on a shrimping boat? And he sees Lieutenant Dan. You remember this? He sees Lieutenant Dan in a wheelchair, you know, at, on, the, on, the, on the dock, you know, and the boat. He's, and he sees, and, and Forrest just reacts, right? You remember this? He just... You know, he's like, jumps into the water and waving at Lieutenant Dan as he's jumping into the water. This is what Peter did. He just reacted. He's like, I don't care what the consequences are. I don't care what happens. As a matter of fact, remember his boat crashed into the, he's like, that's my boat. You know, remember that? That's my, that's my Forrest Gump impression. That's my boat. You remember that? This is what Peter, Peter's like, I don't care what I have to leave behind. None of that matters to me. I'm just throwing myself at Jesus. I'm casting all of my worries. I'm casting all of my anxieties on him. Why? Because he cares for me and he cares about you. He loves you. It doesn't matter how far you've gone away. For them, they were about 100 yards out. Maybe you're farther than that away from God. Maybe you've walked away from God a lot further than that. It doesn't matter how far you've walked away from God. He says, I want you to come back to me. I want you to cast all of your worries. I want you to cast all of your anxieties. I want you to just give me your life. I want you to just jump right into the water and come towards me. It reminded me of a time when we went on a retreat uh, with some teenagers and we were in this town and they had this bridge over you know this this body of water and one of the teenagers asked me if they could jump off the bridge now a, no a normal adult would say no but I'm not a normal adult I'm never the adult in the room never there has to be other adults that have logic and reason if I'm with teenagers I act like a teenager that's what God said anyways, we, we become like who we are with, you know, like I need to be like a teenager. And so they're like, can we jump off this bridge? And I'm like, I'm pretty sure this is illegal, but let's do it, you know, <laughs> let's go for it. And so it, the idea of it, and so, and so I'm like, oh man, so they're, they're all starting to walk up to this bridge and I'm like praying going, man, I hope this water is deeper. Like, I hope this water is deeper. And then they're like, you got to do it. And I'm like, I don't want to do it. They're like, no, you got to do it. I'm like, okay, all right, let's do it, you know? So Carly and I went up to the top of the bridge and we got up there and we started doubting if we should even do this. Remember this, Carly? We're standing on the top of the bridge. We're going, I don't know if this is a good idea. If my wife was there, it never would have happened. But I did it. And, and I remember we were, we were kind of like, we had a little anxiety, didn't we? we had, like Carly and I were just sharing our anxiety with each other. I'm like, oh, this is higher than it looks. I'm like, like, I mean, it doesn't, from the bottom, it doesn't look that high. But when you're standing out, looking down on the water, like, and, and what did we do? We just went for it, didn't we? We just went for it. 
And this is what God is saying. Hey, hey, jump in. I don't know what the consequences are. I don't know what's going to make a difference in your life. I don't know how this is going to, you know, rock your world. But I'm telling you, when you just dive in, when you jump in towards Jesus, it will radically change you forever. He says, listen, don't worry about what you're letting go of or what you're leaving behind. Don't even think about that. All I want you to do, I just want you to cast yourself in towards him and he will change your life. Life. Jump in. Jump in. It's worth it. It was a blast, wasn't it? We did it like 10 more times until the cops showed up. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But there were people that called the cops. That was the rumor. And so we, we, we hauled it out of there in our, in our Marcus Street Church van, hauled it out of there, you know. I'm never the adult in the room. I'm sorry. I, I know. You'll never trust me with your kids. That's why we have a youth minister, Michael, you know, Juan. These guys take care. They do a better job. They're more always the adults in the room. But this is what he wants us to do. He just wants us to cast ourselves in. Because he cares for you. He wants your life. Give it to him. There's an absolute. And the absolute is, is that when you give your life to Jesus, he'll change you for the better. The absolute is, is that when you follow his course, it's the best course. It's not your opinion. It's not your, what you think is best. It's not a majority vote. It's what he says. And what he says is always better for you. So jump in. Jump in towards him. But what about, what? A, forget it. Jump in. But what about my pet? Jump in. Jump in. Verse 9 says this. So when they got out on the land, they saw a charcoal fire already laid and fish placed on it and bread. Verse 10. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you have now caught. You were once empty, but now you're full, so bring some of those fish. Simon Peter went up and drew drew the net to the land full of large fish, 153, and although there were so many, the net was not torn. This is, pause here for a second. This is, think about this, all right? Let's put this in real. They had six other guys pulling in, dragging in large net of fish, full of fish, okay? They had, a, they had six of them. There was actually, John records, let me just make sure that you know how many fish there were. There were 153 large fish. Like, this is fact check me if you want, but that's how many fish there were. And so here they are dragging six guys in a, in a small boat, dragging this in. I don't know if they were annoyed with Peter. I would assume that they were. I would assume that they, like, Peter, you, like seven guys would have been a lot easier to do this, but you left us hanging because you, could, you needed to swim in to the shore, a hundred yards out, swim into the shore. And so they're like, hey, Jesus is like, hey, why don't you go and bring some of your fish? And I'm sure all six of them point at Peter and go, go get it. Go get the net. And Peter's like, I probably deserve that. So Peter goes by himself, drags 153 large fish, out into the, you know, out onto the beach, into the land, you know, brings it over, drags it all the way over where Jesus is, you know, already starting to, you know, cook some fish, you know, has some bread, has a spread all out for them, brings it over to them. Now you got to remember too, at this time, Peter is wet. Peter is probably, 
you know, cold, and Peter's now certainly tired. I mean, is there anything like in life, small things in life that are more irritating than being wet, cold, and tired, and hungry? Remember, they didn't eat. They didn't catch anything, so they didn't have anything to eat. So they're hungry, he's wet, he's tired, and he's cold. You know what Jesus does? Jesus says, I already have this fire prepared for you. So come on over, Peter. And Jesus actually said that to him, verse 12. He says, hey, Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Come on. Peter, I know you're cold and you're wet and you're tired. You just dragged over 153 fish. You've got to be worn out and you're hungry. Come on he says, come on, he says, and have breakfast with me. You know what he was saying? He was saying in a physical sense, let's eat and let's get you warmed up. But in a spiritual sense, you know what he was saying? You, let's break this spiritual fast once and for all. Let's break this spiritual fast once and for all. Let's you come and you, I know you're hungry and I know you're empty inside, but I just want to fill you up, Peter. I want to fill you up. And so you know what he's saying to us? And you know what he was saying to Peter and the rest of the guys? He's saying this. He says, he says, come to him and find rest and fulfillment. This is what he's saying to us. Hey, hey, guys, 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 come on. Come on, I got, I got rest for you. I got fulfillment for you. Peter, I know you're tired. You're just dragging a big net. I know you're tired, but listen, come on. I got rest for you, and I've got fulfillment for you. Jesus said this earlier on in his ministry. Here's what he told his disciples in Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. You know this. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He says, you're tired? Life has worn you down. Life has gotten the best of you, your old ways, old habits. He's like, I, I got rest. I got rest for you. Verse 29, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Verse 30, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know what a yoke is? Yoke is like a, like a farming tool. You know, it's used for cows and cattle. Here's what it looks like. It looks something like that. So I want you to imagine for me, like imagine you, you know, you know underneath, underneath there and then, and then Jesus on the other side. And it's just to be, it's about, it's about coming alongside of somebody. It's a lot about working alongside of somebody to, to accomplish a task. To accomplish that. Jesus said, listen, my yoke, my yoke, he's thinking, and automatically they're thinking about this. He says, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. You know what it's like? It's, it's like when, you, when, you, when your kids want to help you carry something heavy. Remember this when they were little, when they were younger? They were like, they, you know, I can help you carry in, you know, this couch, right? And then you're like, you're like, you pick it up, you know, as you try to pick it up as, you know, as much as you possibly can, because you know that they're not going to really help you very much. You know what I'm talking about? Like you're, you're going to carry, you're, you're going to carry the majority of the weight, aren't you? You're going to carry the majority. You're going to do the majority of the work. This is what Jesus is saying to you and to me. He's, he's saying, listen, I'm not even asking you to carry most of the weight. 
I'm going to carry it. I'm not even going to ask you to put all of the burden on you. I'm going to take most of that burden. He says, I want you to know that in me that you can find rest. That I'm going to carry the majority of the weight. And even sometimes my kids will say to me, Dad, this isn't really that heavy. And I'm going, ah, yeah, it is. Why? Because I'm carrying most of the burden. But for Jesus, he's going, I got this. I've got this. I don't really even need your help, but I'm going to let you. I don't really even need you, but I'm going to allow you to be a part of coming alongside of me. And I want you to come, and I want you to find rest. I want you to come, and I want you to find fulfillment. Because that's where it's found. It's not found in the old ways, the old habits, the old routines, the the old way of life. It's not found there. It will always leave you empty. It will leave us empty unfulfilled the only one that will fulfill is a relationship with Jesus he's the only one he's the only one that will give you joy that you're looking for he's the only one that will give you peace that you need he's the only one that will satisfy he was the only one that will give you self-control he's the only one that will give you stability in your life come on come to him he's got a place for you come on Come and sit with him. Jesus said it another way. He says, hey, I am the bread of life. And he who comes to me will not hunger. And he who believes in me will never thirst. A couple days ago, my daughter um, is having a birthday. And she wanted to, we let her decide where, where we're going to go and have lunch. Uh, they had a half day on Friday, so we, she was decided where we were going to have lunch. She decided, because she loves her dad, she decided that she wanted to go to Chick-fil-A. We had to drive to Troy, you know, Somerset Mall, where the Chick-fil-A is, but it was worth it to me. Now, I was, it was sort of a change in a plan, and I was kind of, I didn't eat, I didn't eat breakfast. I was so, and it, they didn't get home until like little afternoon, and so I'm going, okay, uh, man, I'm starving though, but I, I, I just want to, I want to be full, you know, I, I want to be hungry when I get to Chick-fil-A because I just want to just destroy it. Like, I want to just take down these chicken sandwiches. So we drove to there, we got there about one, and then we waited in line, you know, because there's always a line, right? Have you ever been there? There's always a line, there's always a line. So we're waiting, so it's probably, I don't know, almost close to two o'clock now by the time we got our meal. So, and I get it, you know, when I'm hungry, I get hangry, you know, hungry and hang, I get a little hangry, and so I go, I, I'm, and my eyes get bigger than my stomach sometimes, I and mean, that's pretty big. And so I go, I'm going to get a couple chicken sandwiches. I'm going to get the largest waffle fries, you know, that I can get. Because I was like, I'm not going to get back in line because I don't want to wait an hour, you know. So I'm like, so I'm just waiting, you know, waiting. And I, I finally get my meal. Man, and I ate I ate it all. I mean, I just demolished it. Two chicken sandwiches, a large waffle fry. I just consumed it. And I turned to my wife and, and I go, I'm done for the day. Like, I can't eat another. Have you ever said that before? Have you ever been so hungry that you're like, you ate so much, you overate, and you're like, I can't eat another thing. I'm done for the day. Do you think that I was done for the day? No. I wish I was. But about 8 o'clock that night, you know what? I was hungry again. I was hungry again. 
And so I had to eat again. I'm like, oh, I wish I didn't want to eat because I ate way too much at lunch and I wish I could just wait until the following morning and break my fast the, the following morning. But I was hungry again. Do you know that's what life is about? That's what this life is about? It's never gonna fulfill you as much as you think that you can intake and as much as you think that in the moment it's gonna satisfy and fulfill, it never does. You're gonna be hungry again. But Jesus said, not in me. Not in me. I'm the bread of life. And he who comes to me will never hunger. And he who believes in me will never thirst. Those of us that decide to cast our life into his hands and to come and sit down with him, I got news for you. You will be satisfied in Jesus, but in Jesus only. In Jesus only. I'm telling you, jump in. Jump in and move towards Jesus because he has already set the course of your life to have fullness and joy and peace and contentment. Are you tired? Are you tired of getting beaten up by this world? Are you tired of going back into this vicious circle of unfulfillment? It's never gonna satisfy, it never will. Nothing that this world offers will ever satisfy. Are you tired? Are you, are you worn out? Has it beaten you up? Guess what? There's a Jesus sitting on the beach going, come on, sit with me. I'll warm you up. Come on, sit with me. I'll dry you off. Come on, sit with me. I'll fill you up. Because I've got rest for you. Oh, you think that bearing the load of this world, it will wear you down. It will beat you up. But Jesus says, I'll carry it. I'll take it. Just put my yoke on. Not the yoke of this world. The yoke of this world will bring you down. He will carry it for you. Come on. Come on. Sit with him. Be with him. Let him change your life forever. He will change it for the better. We just got to put our... Cast our life. Cast our life. You got worries? Who doesn't? You got anxieties? Who doesn't? But he's a God that says, come on. I'll carry him. I'll carry him. I got him. I got him. You'll never thirst again. In this world, you will. You'll keep getting hungry. And you'll keep getting thirsty. But in Jesus, you'll never thirst again cast your life come to him he'll change it forever it's an absolute truth an absolute truth I'm going to ask you to stand if you would Brent's going to lead us in a song and I want you to take this moment. I want you to take this moment right now. And I want you to decide. Maybe I've been, maybe my life has shifted too far. Maybe my life has sort of 
been off course a little bit and I, and I just want to reset the, the, the course. I want to redirect my life and I want to begin with that by just casting my life. I just want to give him my, my worries and my fears and my anxieties. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reset my life, the course of my life and head in the absolute direction of a better life that he has for me right here, right now. It's taking this moment right now as Brent leads us in a song to reset the course and to cast your life and to put it into his hands. And it's taking this moment right now to realize that there is a Jesus who loves you. There is a Jesus who cares about you. There is a Jesus who is alive and who is alive and has presented himself with many convincing proofs that he is alive and he's saying to you to come. He's saying to you to come and to be in his presence and then you will experience something that you've never experienced before and that is the fulfillment that this world cannot give you. Come, come, come and meet with him. He's open. His arms are open. Come home to him. Father, your, um, your words, your ways, applying the truth to our lives are always intended for our good, are always intended to, for us to experience the fullest of life, the best life possible. But in order for us to do that, you tell us that we need to come to follow you, that we must deny ourselves deny our own urges, deny our own wants, deny our own opinions sometimes and just take up our cross and make the sacrifices necessary in our life to follow you because following you is the best decision that any person can make. Following you leads us to a place called eternity where you are now alive at the right hand. And God, I just pray, Lord, that you just encourage each one here to reset the course of their life in the absolute direction of where you're going and what you're doing and what you want to do in and through them by casting ourselves in, throwing ourselves towards you and by coming and sitting in your presence, sitting within your word, sitting within what you have to say to every single one of us personally here. Lord, that you bring fulfillment and you bring rest when we come to you. I pray for each one here. Keep, keep them safe. Bring them back next week safe. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a great week.